0: Turn your Bibles again to the book of Philippians. Two weeks ago, in our Philippians study, we listened as Paul told the believers that he loved that the gospel was advancing while he was imprisoned. This is not what we would think would happen to those who were awaiting, uh, awaiting a trial. Prisoners don't tend to be spreaders of the gospel. Now, there are some but I mean, usually you don't see prisoners spreading the gospel. Paul then told them <clears throat> how it was spreading through the imperial guard. Some 9,000 men who had, tooken, who had taken their turns to watch Paul as the prisoner. As they kept watch, Paul kept being faithful, spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. We then learned that other preachers in Rome were encouraged by what they were hearing of Paul's witness. And they became emboldened not to hide any longer, but to preach the word of God. Now, not all were happy with Paul's success, we learned. Paul wrote that that some were trying to cause trouble for him while he was in prison. There's always one, right? Seems like there's always one person who's not happy. I mean, Jesus could be leading, playing the piano, and they wouldn't be happy. Right? They just wouldn't be happy. There's always one. Paul finished this portion of Scripture by stating that all those who were preaching, for whatever reason, were making the name of Jesus known. Tonight we'll hear Paul speak of the living, uh, uh, speak of living is Christ. So we're going to start reading in verse 20, and I don't know what y'all have up there, but it's 20 through 26. Is that what you've got? Okay. Chapter 20. Excuse me. Chapter 1, verse 20. Paul records, my eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything. But that that now as always, with all boldness, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me, living is Christ and dying is gain. Now, if I live, live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me. And I don't know which one I should choose. I am pressured by both. I have the desire to depart and be with Jesus, which is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain to continue with all of you for 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 your advancement and joy in the faith so that because of me your confidence may grow in Christ Jesus when i come to you again let's pray father thank you for this day and for this word I pray that you would be with us lord this evening and help us to see ourselves through this scripture help us lord that we might be greater servants when we hear what you have to say, in Jesus' name I do pray, and all God's children said, amen. Uh, listen, y'all, before I get into this, I, I want y'all, I I feel pretty good, and I made it through this morning's message, and I thought I was going to lose my voice at least once, and I didn't, but I might tonight, okay? And I, I just want to ensure, y'all, I'm, I'm staying away from everybody, but I can't be contagious. I can't. Abby, listen. Listen. Amy won't quit kissing me. She, I've tried to tell her, you need to back off, woman. Back off. I mean, look at her. She's spry. She she was cleaning and washing clothes and, and kicking the dog earlier. I mean, she's good. So this this we're we're not contagious. I'm not contagious. I hope. Now if y'all get sick, it's Dessie's fault. She says she's. Now, as we consider our scripture tonight. We have to know that Paul knows he is closer to the end of his life than he ever than, than ever before. When he's writing this, Paul knows that he is closer to the end of his life than ever before. Whether or not he feels he will be executed in Rome, we we don't know. But we just just seeing another day pass. We all know that there that we're one day closer to the end of of this life. I, I don't like that sometimes. And I think as we look at the scripture tonight, we're seeing Paul kind of juggle with, you know, what's taking place in his life. Because we all know, we all know, we're one day closer. It, does, it doesn't matter what, I mean, listen, it doesn't matter how old or how young you are. Savannah, you're one day closer to the end of your life. We all are, every single one of us. With this knowledge and through the lens of certain coming death to, to be near to us, Paul's words tonight... We need to look at Paul's words tonight. Verse 21 through 29 in our scripture is entitled in my Bible, Living is Christ. Living is Christ. Think about that. Living. Being alive. Living life is Christ. Now what do we see in our scripture? The first thing we see in our scripture tonight we first hear Paul making some declarations in verse 20. The first declaration we hear is, my eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything. That's what Paul said. I did not say that. Dan, you heard Paul say that, didn't you? Dan said that. Excuse me, Paul said that. He says, I, I, I don't want to be ashamed of anything. Well, let me ask you, do you think there is anything we see in the life of Paul that he should be ashamed about? Well, yeah. Do you, do you think Paul was ashamed that, that as much of a scholar as he was, that he, when Jesus was alive, that he did not see Jesus as the, as the Messiah while he was alive and while he was on earth? This this man, the scriptures stated that there was probably not a more educated man in the New Testament than Paul. And yet he missed it. He missed it. Justin, how did Paul miss the fact that the Messiah was walking the earth? But he did. He missed it. Do you think Paul was ashamed that, that he was not only at the stoning of Stephen, but he agreed with his death? At that time, do y'all think that, you know, as he was going to sleep at night, that he he thought about holding the coats of those who stoned Stephen? Do y'all think he worried about that? He was ashamed of it? Do you think that Paul was ashamed of, of how he persecuted and killed Christians? Do you think that kept him up? Do you think that he was ashamed that the Lord Jesus himself had to appear to him asking, why are you persecuting me before Paul would turn his eyes to Jesus and accept him as his Lord? Now, I'm quite certain that Paul was ashamed about each and every one of those things that we just listed tonight and and probably more that aren't listed. But what we see in our scripture tonight isn't the past that Paul's talking about. Paul is saying this. No more. No more. No more. There's things I'm ashamed that I've, in my past, I'm I'm ashamed of my past, but no more. I don't think a lot of Christians have reached that place in their life, y'all. But we say, listen, I'm ashamed of this, but no more. No more. Paul's saying, from this day forward, I strive to not ever do anything that I would later be ashamed of doing. That's pretty good stuff right there. I mean, I Justin, I, I could be able to preach a message just on that right there alone, right? Let me ask you something. Have you ever done anything in your life that you're ashamed of doing? Anybody? Now y'all know I, I had a, a sister who was who was mentally retarded. She was Down syndrome. Uh, she was mongoloid. That's what they called it when I was a child. She had a hole in her heart. Uh, they repaired my cousin who was two years older than hers, same same condition. They repaired hers, but they wouldn't repair my sister because she was Down syndrome. I'm, a, I'm ashamed of something. I used to love to scare my little sister. I did. I used to. I mean, I and I'm not talking about a little bit. I'm talking about a lot. Now, children, like when when she was a child, she would do stuff to entertain herself, and it was repetitive motion. And this is what she did. I don't know why, but some some reason, my mother decided she was she was going to save the drink lids. You remember the tabs off the Coke cans years ago? You saved the tabs, and it was supposed to get you know dialysis or something for patients. I can't remember. She had a bag full. Well, Mandy went and stole about a hundred of them, and she would sit in the living room, and and she would pick one up at a time and move it from one pile to the next, one pile to the next. And when she was concentrating, she would make noises. Okay, I mean Down syndromes do that. She she would, and this was this was her noise. I I I I. And she would just, you know, that's that's what she would do. Well, I'd come around the back side of the kitchen, and I'd have a tennis ball. And I'd throw that tennis ball, and I'd hit the back wall just perfect. It'd hit that, that pile of, of tabs in the floor, and they'd just go everywhere. It'd scare her to death. Now, my, my sister wasn't raised at church, y'all. And she'd cuss me. That's what, yeah, y'all didn't know that. Down syndrome children cuss. Angela, don't, don't they? Yeah. She would cuss me. And I just I think that was the funniest thing in the world. They they have a tendency of everything has to be in order in their minds. And she would go downstairs to take a shower in my mom and dad's bedroom, and as you walk into the bathroom, there was like a parlor area, and then you walk into the bathroom, and she would set her clothes right here, her toothbrush right here, her toothpaste right here, but I mean, everything was in its place. And, and while Mandy was in the shower, I'd go in there and I'd do this right here. Move it all around. And I'd, I'd sit in my bedroom and leave the doors open, and I could hear her getting out of the shower. Kyle! And then she'd cuss. I'm not going to tell you what she'd say, okay? I'm ashamed of that. I, I really am. I mean, it, 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 it thrilled me And when I was young. I mean, you, you terrorize your... I mean, you do that to Colin. Colin does stuff like that to y'all. But yeah, I'm ashamed of that. I really am. I'm ashamed of a way that I, I used to treat employees when I was a lineman. Uh, when the grunts came in, it was kind of proper protocol to treat them like a grunt or to go tell them to, you know, go get the, the pipe stretcher or the sky hook, or, you know, go get some blinker fluid, stuff, stuff like that. And... and now that I thought, I don't think that was nice, Miss Desse. I'm I'm ashamed, I'm ashamed of what I did there. I really am. Uh, probably the thing that I'm most ashamed of in all my life, and I've I've told y'all this. Somebody, one class. When I was in school, we used to have to write term papers. Term, pa- y'all know how many of y'all know what a term paper is. Abby, did y'all have to write term papers when you were in high school? You did. She's saying no, and Amy's saying yes. Okay, one of you's right. Well, we were at the Winthrop Library because we didn't have computers back then. We had to use actual stuff. I mean, we had to put our hands on material. So we were all, you know, half the class was up there, and we were doing research. And Stephen DeBrooker, my best friend, he was up there. He was at Winthrop Library taking a dip of stuff. And he didn't have a cup. He didn't—he—he He didn't have nothing to spit in. And he says, he says, hand me one of them books behind you so I can spit in it. And I figured surely he'll look at the book before he spits in it. Surely he'll look at it before he spits in it. Oh no. I handed him a book and he spit right in it. I said, Stephen, look at that book, son. I had given him the Bible. Y'all, I'm ashamed of that. I'm, I'm ashamed of that. What Paul is saying tonight, what Paul is saying tonight, and what we need to emulate through his words and actions is this: is that from this point on, this point on, I do not want to do anything that I will be ashamed of. Now, how how do we do that? How in the world? Do, do you do something like that? You live for the Lord and not for yourselves. You see, when we're not living for the Lord, we're going to do stuff that we're ashamed of. But we really are. Easily. I, I've told y'all something. I, I painted my next door neighbor's front headlights black one time because he accused me of doing something I didn't do. Can y'all imagine his surprise when he got it, it was 7 o'clock at night, daylight savings times hit Dan, and he turned went, driving down the road, and he, he went to turn his lights on, I and mean, it was nothing? Now, I wasn't ashamed about it. Now, I'm kind of ashamed about it. You know, now, I shouldn't have done that. You, you see, the difference is, I, I know, I, I don't need to do that stuff anymore. Amen? What, what's the difference? Living for Jesus. I'm telling you, listen to me. There's times, Angie Page, I'm driving down the road, especially on 17, going to get on 204, and there people. Listen, I, I got in a car washed. That new car wash the other day, and I turned into the parking lot. You know the where the tractors are and all that stuff. And I I was coming up right, you know, right at my my own turning to go on 204. Cars were nowhere closed. and I just pulled right into that turning lane. This this guy in a truck pulls in front of me, starts telling me I'm number one with his middle finger and, and, and honking his horn and he just he's wanting me to pull over and, and throw hands with him. And I I listen, I hadn't thrown hands in a minute, y'all, but I, I, I tell him I'm, I'm and I, I was like and, and he, he started doing something else and I did like this, I was like, and he slams on the brakes and pulls over and wants me to pull over, and I was like, no. I'm not, I'm not doing this. What is you know, what? What is the difference between me now and me then? Huh? Oh, yeah. No, I wouldn't. I really wouldn't. I don't play that game. Just My, my granddaddy told me, he says you don't fight for honor. You fight to win. I'd put his car in a ditch. <laughs> Isn't that right, Angie? You still carry a ball back in your car, girl? You don't? <laughs> There's 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 a difference. Well, what's the difference? Your walk with the Lord. That should make you want to make this declaration that Paul's making tonight. He said, I don't want to do anything that I'm gonna be ashamed of. Now I'm telling you something. I'd have been ashamed, I'd have been ashamed if if I would have, you know, done something with that guy. And and after, you know, he woke up, he looked up to me and he said, He said, Aren't you the pastor at Chevis Oaks Baptist Church? Yes, I am. My name's Donald Beasley. (laughs) (laughs) But we need to live our lives so we won't have to be ashamed, amen? Y'all are having too much fun with this sermon. Paul's second declaration in verse 20 is this, but that now as always, with all boldness, Christ will be highly honored in my body. Uh-oh. This is an unusual statement for a person who has followed and practiced strict Jewish laws his whole life. But here it is. I mean, think, Brother Frank, listen to it. He has followed strict Jewish policies his whole life. And, and listen to what he's saying. He's, he's saying... But that now, as always, with all boldness, Christ will be highly honored in my body. Well, he's always taking care of himself through, through the Jewish law. Well, what, what can he be talking about there? Well, I'm, I'm going to take a gamble here and, and tell you, I think he's talking very something very close to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19, where he says, St. Paul says this, do you not know that your body is a sanctuary for the Holy Spirit? Do you not know that your body is a sanctuary for the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and, and are not of your own? For if you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. You don't belong to yourself. When you accept Christ as your personal Savior, you no longer belong to you. You belong to God. Paul's third declaration is seen in verse 20 "Is this. Whether by life or by death. Whether by life or by death. Now we've already seen evidence to Paul's conviction of living for Christ. But how does he expect to die for Christ? John Philip says, anticipating his trial, Paul spoke of his earnest expectation. Paul was on his tiptoes with excitement to witness to Nero. The apostle expected to magnify the Lord Jesus before that wretched man and his corrupt court. It would not matter to Paul, it did not matter to him, that he would likely pay for his candor with his life. In that case, Christ would be magnified in his life. Paul is saying here that he is going to verbally glorify the name of the Lord until his very last breath. Now if we're going to emulate the life of Paul, shouldn't we be worthy willing to do the same thing? No matter what. no matter what. Well, I might lose my job, no matter what. I might lose my hat. no matter what. We've got to lose our fixation for the things of this world. We do. Now, I mean, don't don't go out there and, you know, just slam your, go in your boss's office tomorrow and slam your Bible on and say, look here, but I'm going to tell you something. No, you don't have to do that. No. But when you have the opportunity to glorify God, that's what we need to do. All day, every day. It shouldn't be an option. It should be our second, it should be a next second nature. We then see a double declaration in verse 21. Look at verse 21. Verse 21 says this. For me, living is Christ and dying is gain. Living is Christ and dying is gain. The first declaration is for me is living is Christ. That begs us to define for ourselves, what do you define as living? What is it that you define as living? That you have breath? Well, hold on a second. You know, when have you ever used that 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 phrase before? Man, this is living. This is living right here. Is it when you go to the mountains and you feel that fresh air? When you step in that cold stream? Is it when you go down? you know, go down to the beach and stick your ta- toes in the sand? Man, this is living. Or is it when you hang out with a the certain group of people, or or you go to see that 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 certain concert, or you go to the, that movie, or you you get this house, or you get this car? You, like, this is living, man. I imagine if Amy finally got her, what is it, Charger, your car that your dreams? What is it? Huh? I try not to pay attention because I don't want it to get sink into my head. I see a charge, She wants one of those fast cars that you hear go blowing up down. Two o four. When they hit the gas, they get rid of three gallons of gas. That's what she wants. Okay, let me get back into frame here. That's living. Paul saying, "No, listen, listen. What's living? Our definitions. We, we need to focus, refocus our definition. What what is your what what is what is living for you? Christ is Christ really living? Is that is that is that you know?" Is that you? Here again, if we're emulating the life of Paul, if he is something that we worthy of being emulated, shouldn't we have that same attitude? Living is Christ. Living is Christ. For Paul, right now in his life, living for him is Christ and Christ alone. what What does that mean? What, what exactly does that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. Look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timothy, what's the next word? Slaves of Christ. You know, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's unusual to me. If you go to some of these prominent, well-to-do, new age churches, they've got preachers, they've got pastors, they've got elders. That they they've got prophets. That they they've got everything. Sister, have you ever been to a church? Have you ever heard of a church saying, "Hey, we're the slaves. We're, we're the slaves of Jesus." We like all those. We we like all those good big names. I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. My name is my name is brother Harold Harold Apostle Phillips. I'm 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 the apostle. I'm I'm, I'm the prophet. You don't hear anybody say, "Listen, I'm a slave." My name's Kyle Waddell. I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. That, that's what he's talking about here. The second declaration, seen in verse 22, is "and dying is gain." Now, we do not believe this fully, church, because if we did, we would be fully living for Christ every single day if we really thought that dying is gain that's where we really gain is dying we'd be living for Jesus every day y'all see that right I love using this analogy if we if, if, if we would get fired as being a Christian for being faithful to the church there'd be a whole lot of people fired wouldn't there If we had to clock in for Jesus the way we have to clock in for work, yeah, there wouldn't be a lot of people. There'd be a lot of people let go this coming week, wouldn't we? Really. Living for Christ is what Paul wanted to do. He says, listen, if we live for Christ, dying's nothing. Dying is nothing but just the, the excess. It's the gravy. It's all the stuff that fell out because I lived for Jesus every day. What, what do we gain when we die as believers? Y'all ever thought about that? What do we gain? Paul said we gain. What do we gain? Everything. Everything. Do y'all know why? Paid off you. You know not when's y'all's birthday? You don't pay the taxes, they'll come here to again too. You gotta, you gotta, I mean, but if you decided, I'm done. I'm gonna quit paying it. <clears throat> what what if we had the attitude towards what Paul's talking about tonight? Listen, I'm I'm done. I'm I, I everything that I live for from here on is gonna be for eternity. Dying is game. Nothing we do on this earth is going to matter. Listen, I don't care who you are. Listen, to, all of you, Abby, this affects you too. Listen, in a hundred years, nothing that you've obtained here on this earth is going to be worthwhile. Nothing. You you can work your whole life. You you can have three houses, ten cars, four four uh uh one of those things that, uh wave runner. Everybody got a submarine. But you know what it's going to be in a hundred years? Nothing. Nothing. How have our priorities gotten so messed up, church? Where we do everything to accumulate here on this earth, but we do nothing for eternity. That's where the gain really is, and that's what Paul's trying to say. We, We see Paul has... Uh, a bit of a struggle within himself in verse 22 and verse 23. I'm going to speed up here in a second. Y'all calm down. He says, now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me. And I don't know which one I should choose. I am pressured by both. I have the desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. He's got a struggle here. Have you ever been with someone who knew that they were going to take they were going to die soon? And, and they had not yet given themselves fully over to the reality? They feel death, but they they want to continue on with the work they were given that was given them to do. This is what we see tonight in these verses. a struggle. Paul seems to, to have given into the latter, Side of the struggle seen in verses 24 through 26, as he says, This he says, But to remain in the flesh is far more necessary for you, since I am persuaded of this. Now, that, I, when I read that the third time, I had to sit back down. And I was like, Ooh, Hold on a second here. For I am persuaded of this, something had to happen to make him figure this. I know that I will remain and continue with all of you and for the advancement of the joy in the faith so that because of me, your confidence may grow in Christ Jesus. Listen to this. When I come to you again, where is he right now? Prison. He, he's, he's getting ready to load the boat, go to you know, speak up to Nero, tell him everything there is about Jesus. Most likely, he ain't walking out of there, but he's saying, what? When I come to you again. So we see that Paul wants to continue his life because of four things. Number one, for him to live would be better for the people of Philippi. There's always somebody who is watching you that you have no idea. You have no idea. You don't know where they are. But your life, their life is better because your life is better. You're, you're alive. It really is. Secondly, verse 25 gives us the idea that the Holy Spirit spoke to Paul as he was writing to these people. He says that he was persuaded of this. Well, persuaded of what? Of him living on. That he was going to live on. Now, we, we know that he did live for a period of time in Roman jail. Before he was. You know seen by Nero. And we're not going to talk about anything else. Because we're talking about the life of Paul. On Wednesday night. You just have to come and find out for yourself. Three. We see the purpose. Of his continued life. As the advancement of their joy. And their faith. And lastly. That their confidence in Christ might grow. When he comes to them. Again. Now. What we can learn from this message, in United Church, is this: our expectations should be as Paul's were. We should desire to never be ashamed again. And I think we can all agree. Once again, are there anything that you're ashamed of that you've done in your life? Anything? Yeah. But from here on out, we don't want to do anything that we're ashamed of. Amen. We should honor Christ in and with our bodies. We should live our lives for Christ with understanding that even in death, if death comes, we gain. Will we strive? Will you strive? Will this church strive to be as slaves to Christ and not of this world? It seems like We teach our children to be slaves to this world, doesn't it? My dad taught me a good work ethic. He did not leave a spiritual heritage behind. We need to provide for ourselves. But church, this this is not where we're going to spend the majority of our, our life. We need to prepare for the day that we stand in eternity. And that's what Paul's trying to do tonight with the people of Philippi. Prepare them for eternity. Let's all stand. Heads bowed, and eyes closed. Father, we thank you for these words tonight. We pray, Lord, that they would just be a light unto our hearts to who we need to be for you. God, we thank you for this time of invitation, a time that we can just spend with you, Lord. Pray that you would Just move upon your people tonight. If somebody needs to come down and spend some time with you, you give them that freedom to do just that. In Jesus' name I do pray. All heads bowed and all eyes closed. Do you need to come?